Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me is none other than Mr. Fly Till I Die himself, Claude Lathan. Say what? Claude. We are back. Yes. We're back. It's another, what, two times in three weeks? Woo! Woo! It's exciting. Woo! It's exciting. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's two in a row, Claude. Yes. It's two. It's two, two for two. Oh, man. That's what we're looking at. Now, yeah. Just so much went on since last week. You were like, "Was that? Was that two weeks ago? Was that? I can't remember." Oh man! Uh, Between now, all the sports and and the hurricane coming, I I just my mind is uh, they, you know, it's a loss. Well, now all the regular listeners know you are a resident NBA analyst, and they all know that the NBA finals are going on right now. That's right, uh, Claude. And I was thinking, since we've got some new cities, people aren't too familiar with, you know, Milwaukee. Phoenix. I mean, come on. Who's that familiar with both of those cities? No offense, cities, but come on. Who's familiar with you guys? <laughs> I, since I'm a nerd on multiple levels, that's a fact. I thought, let's get to know these two cities, you know? Let's get to know Phoenix and Milwaukee. What's, what say you, Claude? Should we get to know them? Hmm. I'd love to get to know them. Awesome. Which one do you want to go for, uh, for first? Phoenix facts oh, or man. Milwaukee facts? Let's go Milwaukee facts first. Okay. All right. Well, good. That's what I've got listed on the outline first. I didn't even have to move down. That's good. Uh, okay. Milwaukee, uh, as you know, Claude, on the city-style jerseys, what is Milwaukee's city name? Milwaukee would be... Um, it's a weird one. Uh, the Cheeseheads, right? It's the Cream City. Ew. Remember Cream the, City, that's right. Yeah, it's the Cream City, which is weird. Now, a lot of people would think that's for, like, dairy. No. <laughs> Apparently, bricks in Milwaukee have a lot of limestone and magnesium, so they come out at almost a cream color. So somebody started calling Milwaukee Cream City because of those bricks, which, huh. when you think about it, Makes it even worse that a basketball team decided to label their jerseys Cream City. Essentially, you're calling yourself Brick City. That's a fact. Which, you know, it's not it's not <laughs> too good for a basketball. And then on top of that, you I mean, essentially, Cream City is also another term for city. Which, let's be honest, no one either. I don't want to be Brick City or City. That's not really nope. my top picks. I don't know about you, but. Anyways, in that's case, where my brain went. So I mean, you're not wrong. I, I immediately went to a sexual uh, some sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, in case you're wondering, that's where it is. So now, all you folks <laughs> out there, when you see the basketball jersey, you can tell them bricks, and people will be like, "That's dumb," and you're like, "I know." There you go. That's a fact. Milwaukee was once the home of the four largest beer breweries in the world, and the largest producer of beer. You know what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Really? Milwaukee? Is that Milwaukee's best? Well, it was all kinds. It was Pabst Blue Ribbon. It was Schlitz. This was back several decades ago when it was the four largest beer breweries. That's not anymore. They can't claim that anymore. So, 
<laughs> that that that's an old fact, but it's a historical fact. So you can take that one. There you go. Used that's a good to, one. Yeah. Used to be the king of beers. Uh, the temperature in Milwaukee dips below freezing an average of 124 days a year in Milwaukee. Jeez. Shoo. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's why, cold weather. That's why Milwaukee, I will never be living in your city. So true. That is that is if if one third of your year is below freezing, pass. That's a hard. You know, I pass. always wondered. I always wondered why free agents had such a hard time wanting to sign with Milwaukee, and the obvious answer is from a business standpoint, mm. the small market. But that's an obvious who, answer for me. Yeah, <laughs> that one yeah. right there. <laughs> But as somebody who has, you know, traveled around and lived in different places, I can say that the weather, the climate means a lot. And would you rather be in, you know, Milwaukee with that or like South Beach? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, let's see here. It's also, Milwaukee is also known as the city of festivals. Word. Because apparently it's got all kinds of festivals, Claude, especially heritage festivals. They've got... Irish Fest, they've got Oktoberfest, they got Mexican Fiesta, they got Polish Fest, and my favorite, Festa Italiana. Yes, the war- the country's largest Italian heritage festival. Yeah. I've got That I, sounds really cool. Exactly. I've got a I got to hit up old Festa Italiana cuz I got a feeling there's some there's some good eats going on at Festa Italiana. Yes! Uh, I want to be a oh, part yeah. of those eats. I mean, 100%. German food's all right. I'll go to Oktoberfest, but I mean, the Festa Italiana, oh, that's food coma right there. That's going down. Yeah. Now, uh... Give me me all the fettuccine. mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, six years ago, in Milwaukee, a giant cat was on the loose. Wait, what? Like a big cat. (laughs) And it was believed how to big, how big is giant? Well, it's believed to be an exotic pet that escaped, and it was termed the Milwaukee Lion. And uh, they never caught the Milwaukee Lion ever. They didn't. They didn't find it. They didn't find it dead. They didn't find it. They didn't trap it. So, for all you Milwaukeeans out there, watch out. You might be stalked by a lion right now, as we speak. There may be a line getting ready to attack you. Jeez. So, just saying. Could be out there. Shout out to big cats. Milwaukee Lion. Always shout out to big cats. Yes. Shout yes. Out. Uh, last pointless <laughs> fact. This is a completely pointless one. It has no worth, guys. Well, it has $2,750.65 worth. What? Milwaukee City Hall is the same height as a stack of nickels, 55000 12 nickels high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. These are mind-blowing uh, was, facts that, and statistics. That was a fact, right? That was, I mean, f- 55,012 nickels. That's how tall Milwaukee City Hall is. Absolutely. I can just imagine you on a gigantic ladder it, outside well, trying last to one. stack all of these. Last one, guys. Be real careful. It's a really tall stack. This is... Could spell disaster. Okay, that is all Milwaukee facts. Here we go, Phoenix facts. Here we go. All right. Phoenix, geographically, huge city. That's a fact. There are only four cities bigger than it geographically. 
And all all of our Jacksonville listeners, you bet your Jacksonville is bigger than Phoenix. That's right, Phoenix. Take that. Yeah. What? Phoenix, though, is only smaller than four cities. Us in Jacksonville, OKC, Oklahoma City, uh, Anchorage, Alaska, and Houston. Those are the four cities that are bigger geographically than Phoenix. Phoenix, geographically, very huge city. There you go. Yes! There you go. Uh, next fact, part of downtown Phoenix, built on the ruins of ancient civilizations. Wait, what? So apparently, uh, like the uh, Hohokam, Hohokam uh, Indians lived in the Phoenix area, and in 2006, while the Phoenix Convention Center was under construction, archaeologists found... Uh, these 3,000-year-old houses when they were building it. And they didn't really slow them down. You'd think it'd slow them down. you think that would be something where they'd be like, hey, should we stop construction for a little bit? And they're like, nah. Yeah. It seems like something that they'd want to take a little more time to admire. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just sort of like they put a plaque there. We're like, hey, there's some old houses used to be here. All right, let's get this thing finished. <laughs> mm, Got to make that money. Basically it. Uh, there are 200 golf courses in the Phoenix area. Jeez. 200 in the Phoenix area. 200. Seems like a little bit excessive. So true. I mean, especially for a place that has such a scarcity of water. Might not want to be watering 200 <laughs> golf courses every day. Just a thought. I obviously, mean, uh... Obviously, plenty of land and, and yeah. room geographically for those golf courses. Got some room, man. Now, to juxtapose Milwaukee, the temperature of Phoenix reaches or exceeds 100 degrees Fahrenheit, an average of 110 days during the year. Wow. There you go. Almost the, ex- Jeez. Yeah, almost the exact opposite. Milwaukee was under freezing 124 days. Phoenix over a hundred, uh, hundred and ten days. There you go. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Polar opposites. Also, one of thirteen cities in America that have all four major sport leagues. Phoenix. There you go. They have all all four sports represented in Phoenix. Hmm. Um, I don't think you did this on purpose by any means, but I feel like all of the Phoenix facts are are kind of positive facts, and all of the. <laughs> Like hot, hot facts, and then all of the Milwaukee facts are more like cold facts. Yeah, hey man, it's what happens. It what it's what happens. Uh, <laughs> last fact for Phoenix. I don't know where you can put this one. I mean, it, it it has cactus, so I guess it's hot. I don't know. Cutting down a saguaro cactus on your property, state land or federal land, is a crime punishable. By up to maximum of 25 years in, in prison. Jeez. 20. What? Yeah. Segura cactus. What if you did it by accident? Like, what if you didn't know that's what it was? You were a new home buyer. They, oh, I'm, man, I'm, don't get one freebie. I'm guessing they would, I mean, it wouldn't be the full 25 years, I guess, if you unknowingly did it. But, like... Now you can argue with me, listeners, if the penal which penalty is too extreme or too lenient. But wouldn't it be a little weird when two guys are in prison for twenty five years and one's like, I'm in here twenty five years for killing my wife and the other's like, I'm in here twenty five years for killing a cactus. Huh? Like this is no one's a little weird. I don't know. You decide which one's weird. Anyways, we now know Phoenix and Milwaukee, am I right, Claude? 
There we go. Oh, we know him so, so well. We know him so, so well. Are you ready to fire this show up? Let's fire it up. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Woo, man, we have got a fantastic... I'm geared up for our guest this week. Very excited about our guest. We have got Sam Tenes on the show. This guy is killing the game. Over three million monthly listeners on Spotify. His song... Uh, Play With Fire has 120 million streams by itself on Spotify. Girl, come on! 120 wow. million streams. Odds are, listeners, you have heard his music on sports, uh, on TV. He's all over the place. People sync his music like nobody's business. The kids on the TikTok, they love it. They love it. Now, he uses music everywhere, gang. I can't wait to talk to him. On the TikTok. On the TikTok. They're doing it, man. They're doing it. Well, you know what we got to do? We got to do what we always do. Birthday suit. Are you ready, Claude? Oh, yes. Yes. Definitely. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay, this this week I'm a little worried, Claude. Uh, We stepped out of the sports arena. We're in uh, in a, an arena you know pretty well. This first one, I think some things should be a dead giveaway. So I hope you can remember his name. I know you know who it is. Just a little worried about the name, perhaps. Yeah, I'm feeling pressure here. Uh, it's in music. Here we go. Born on July 7th, 1940 in Liverpool, England. Hmm. Her birthday suit wears parents divorced when he was four. Doesn't really have any memories of his dad. Birthday suit where had a very unhealthy childhood. Had appendicitis that ended up with him in a coma. Then he got tuberculosis. He was in the hospital for two years because of the tuberculosis. This is where he started playing music. And he started predominantly playing the drums. Hmm. In the 1950s, our birthday suit where started playing in different bands. In 1962, John Lennon asked him to join the group he had just formed, known as The Beatles. The group went on to form or record 12 studio albums with 23 number one singles in the U.S. In 1970, the band broke up. All members went on to do solo work. Our birthday suit wearer went on to release 20 studio albums. Jeez. And... Managed to score two number one singles with the 1973's Photograph and Your 16. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. Oh, man. Um, yeah, see, that's what I was worried about. That's what I was worried about. Yeah, this is, you took me out of sports. That's it. Paul McCartney? No, you thought you thought singer. <laughs> you were in the right band. Of course, Paul oh, is in the man. band. Ringo Starr is the drummer oh, for the Beatles. Ringo. Ringo. You got Paul, George, uh, Paul, and then John. Um, we got Ringo, man. the weirdo. Yeah, yeah, Ringo. Sorry about that, Ringo. Shout out to you, Ringo. Shout out to Ringo Shout turning out. the big 8-1, man. 8-1. Wow. And I saw a picture of him. That dude still looks 50. Word. I'll give him 50. And even though he's 81, he looks 50, which I got to say, good. Yes. I hope, one, that I make it to 81. Two, I hope I look like I'm 50 when I'm 81. Just saying. Just <laughs> saying. Pretty nice, ring, especially for having tuberculosis going into comas and tuberculosis came out pretty good, pretty pretty healthy you, there. Using that uh, Jennifer Aniston skincare. There treatment. you go, Avino. 
Positively Radio. Yeah. Let's be honest. We all wish we could get there. Now, I did an endorsement on this very show for that product like five years ago, and I've already aged like 25 years in those five years, so it didn't work out for me. But anyways, <laughs> happy birthday, Ringo. Enjoy it, man. Uh, one of the still living Beatles. 50% of the Beatles still living there. So true. Uh, okay. Claude, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay. Uh, Claude, you've heard of Pablo Picasso, right? Hmm. Yeah, just a little bit. Kind of famous guy. Kind of famous guy. Now, I'm guessing you're pretty confident. If I searched your house right now, I would not find any Picasso paintings. Hmm. Right? No, you'd only find Claude Monet. There you go. They're nice. I like it. I like it. Uh, <laughs> now, that's more than a dude can say in Maine, because apparently they found a Picasso in his house. Wait, what? Uh, and it just sold for $150,000. So, wow. Now, there's a little bit of a reason why he didn't know this painting was there. So apparently, a lady who studied art back in the 1920s died. Uh, when she died, her house was inherited by her nephew. Apparently, the nephew just didn't do anything with the house for like 50 years. Then, when the nephew died, his son inherited it. Hmm. The son finally said, Hey, you know what? Maybe I should check out what's in this house I inherited. Hmm. And he went into the house, found in a closet, a Picasso painting. And he was like, Hey, this painting has a signature. Sort of looks like Picasso's. I wonder if it's Picasso's. And he had it checked out. It was. And it was worth $150,000, and he sold it. And there you go. Just happened. And wow. Just happened, yeah. And I think the take-home message for me of this story is there are too many Americans that own way too much <laughs> I don't know if that's what... <laughs> like, if you own a house that you don't even care to look into for 50 years, maybe you have too much stuff. That's a fact. You know? Like, that's crazy. I mean, people. That's why we have shows like the uh, the hoarding shows. American yeah, hoarders, American pickers, like all these shows. Like, oh, hey, yeah. look at this stuff. Who would have known? Like, come on. If I've got a house, I'm gonna at least get <laughs> curious, check it out once or twice. I'm just saying. So true. Um, Claude, have you been thinking to yourself? You know, I haven't seen a lot of dumb movies advertised lately. Have you been thinking that? Nope. I, funny you said that. Actually, yes, because I just rewatched. Uh, There's something about Mary yeah. with Cameron Diaz and Ben Stiller. The other night. And I was like, man, they don't. I mean, they can't really nowadays because it's not PC enough. But they don't make movies like that anymore. Those funny dumb movies. Well, I've got a dumb movie coming out for, on the market for you. Are you ready? Yeah. Apparently, Carrie Russell, Ray Liotta, O'Shea Jackson have already signed on and are working on a film titled. Cocaine Bear. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I need more for this. I need descriptions. Well, apparently, it's a movie based off of a true story. Word. This is an exaggeration. It's based off of a true story about a bear, you, you guessed it, is on cocaine. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The I I've got to see this movie. This movie literally, apparently this literally came... From one news article in 1985, a New York Times article that's one paragraph long. 
basically about how a drug dealer threw drugs out of a plane into the forest. Uh, a, a bear found the, the cocaine, got high on cocaine, and then died. Hmm. And they were like, you know what? That's an awesome movie. Let's do it. Word. So, yeah. So get ready for Ray Liotta riding a coked-out bear coming to a movie theater near you. It's going to happen. It's going to... I have no idea what can actually be the plot of this. Like, how do you make that a plot? How does that become I'm, a I'm movie? I'm brainstorming. My mind's going in so many different directions right now. But, I mean, maybe, well, that's what people's minds do when they're on cocaine. So I, I guess that's fitting. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Now, Claude, uh, we, we just mentioned this. Um, your name. Hmm. The not, there's not too many famous Claudes out there, really, besides Claude Monet. That's pretty much, yes! pretty much the major Claude out there. Now, how do you feel about your name? Or are you good? Like, you good with your name? Hmm. You glad? You, are you glad you're yeah, a Claude? I mean, it's okay. It's like the name of a 65-year-old man. A little I'm bit. A, I'm the fourth, so, there you, you know, go. You've been carrying name. There you go. Yeah. I like it. I, uh, I bring this up because apparently uh, parents who have named their kid Alexa are angry that Amazon called their device Alexa. Wait, what? They're very angry, and they're starting campaigns around the country uh, because they feel like their children are are just horribly downtrodden by this product. Uh, Lauren Johnson, who's one of these parents, what? started an awareness campaign called, quote, Alexa is a human, end quote. What? Oh, my gosh. I'm, my mind is blown. I, every day I think that people can't raise, like, you know, a, the next dumb thing. This is this is dumb. Wowza. This is yeah. dumb. I hate to tell you, folks. Uh, sometimes names get ruined. So true. I hate to tell you that. I'm sure there were some folks with the name Adolf that were walking around in 1950, <laughs> not too jazzed about their name. Nope. Okay. Can't do too much about it. And like, I mean, kids have had to deal with their names that are a lot worse than just being asked to play music like a computer. All right. What do you think? What do you think the former professional baseball player Rusty Kuntz, spelled K-U-N-T-Z, de dealt with on a daily basis? You think he had some normal comments coming to him about his name? Nope. Or like, <laughs> how about the NASCAR driver Dick Trickle? You think that guy was walking around with people giving him some cool things and comments about his name? Nope. Like, God, that was not a walk in the park. Alexa, like, Jesus. Like, how would you yeah. just tell your daughter the next time somebody commands her to do something like, Alexa, play me music. How about you just tell her, sorry, Alexa doesn't take commands from pieces of How about you just tell her to say that? Like, come on. What? That's a, also evidence of why I'm not a parent but still <laughs> like come on man yeah i'm i'm with you i think and the crazy thing is is if if it was positive like what if if the name was like you know teresa after like mother teresa yeah. and you, you named your child teresa everyone would have no issues with that because it's a positive light shine exactly. upon the name just, just because it's alexa like these are kids being kids and kids are gonna always find something to joke about yeah it's the way the coin flips man uh, yeah. Claude, last week, speaking of uh, bad names, this is 
This is spot on, this next story. Uh, we're right in, right in the middle of the state here in Orlando. A uh, man was caught with, what else? Methamphetamines. Uh, now, what makes this interesting is where they found it. Hmm. So, the man was being arrested and put in jail for another crime. And, of course, when entering jail, they perform a strip search. And as they were performing the strip search, they found the methamphetamine crystal rocks in, quote, his skin. Wait, what? Oh, like, um, like the foreskin? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> That's all they said in the story. For like, an, if you're not, if you're like, if you're not circumcised, then... Yeah, I is guess. The, is that the case here? I, I, I guess that has that's, to be it. I, I would, I would, could only guess. But now this is what made it extra ironic, and this is why I said, speaking of bad names, the man arrested was Mister Shaft Bang Adams. Word. <laughs> that's his legit like legal that name. is literally not that is his name his legit name now oh, no if you tell me shaft bang hid some methamphetamine somewhere on his person hmm i can tell you where i'm gonna guess yes! I, I i could tell you where i'm going in that strip search i just i mean <laughs> shaft bang yes! man who came up with that one? That is... All right. All right. Uh, yeah, that's rough. Well, uh, from Orlando down to the Keys. Move on down to the Keys. We're doing a lot of Florida today. A lot of Florida. Uh, so true. Louis Blanco Jr. of Rockland Key was arrested on several serious charges uh, this past week, including animal fighting and owning equipment for animal fighting. Now, obviously, the listeners are asking... What kind of animal? Hmm. Well, unless you've been down to the Keys. If you've been down to the Keys, you probably already know. It's a rooster. Yes! It's cockfighting. Uh, mm -hmm. There's cocks everywhere in the Keys. There are <laughs> roosters just running all over the place. Now, this, this is ridiculous. The police said they found 310 chickens... A large assortment of fighting accessories, drugs to treat infections, and bloody fighting rings. Now, Claude, we've had cockfighting stories on the show before. And I gotta be honest. So true. I, I don't really get it. I like I mean and I'm I'm not the person repulsed by animal brutality, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's cool. Uh I just don't get the pure entertainment value. Nope. Like Right. In all my life, I've never looked at a rooster and said, man, I'd like to see that thing fighting another goofy bird. <laughs> like, w w when has that ever happened? Like, I, and I get it. It's much more interesting when you're betting money on something. But betting on boxing is legal. You can watch two dudes fight each other. That's a fact. And bet on it. Like, why... <laughs> Why? You feel like maybe there'd be more exciting things to get into in the Keys than that. Yeah, why chickens? Why, like, just boring, man? I do not see, like, I don't see myself coming out of a, 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 a cockfighting match and being like, man, that was worth my time. <laughs> like, I just, no, no. Anyways, okay, we're moving from the Keys <laughs> 
to the panhandle, over to that crazy panhandle. Uh, Claude Gene Church is trying to sell his home in Pensacola. It's a pretty okay. huge house. It's 5,960 square feet. Jeez. It's, a, uh, it's an old Victorian house that was actually built all the way back in 1900. Now, I got to say by the pictures, it's looking pretty awesome. But I was also thrown off by the title of the listing on Realtor.com because the title was, quote, Don't be scared. Friendly ghost awaits new owner of Pensacola uh, Florida Victorian. Wait, what? Oh. Yeah. That's welcoming. Yeah, threw me off a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but not too much because it said a friendly ghost, which, you know, yeah. in my mind, I was like, meh. And then I read a little bit, and Gene, the guy that's trying to sell the uh, house, said he they started calling the ghost Fred. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I was like, you know, in my head, I immediately started imagining this, like, goofy ghost that comes out and watches TV with me at night and asks me if, like, hey, you want me to prank your friends? I'll go over to the yeah, house. Yeah, your own and, personal Casper. Yeah, and, like, you know, maybe recreate scenes from Ghost, but sarcastically for Instagram. You're like, ah, it's just Fred. I'm just being Fred, you know? <laughs> but then... I started reading on in this article about what they said Fred does. Hmm. And he said, uh, Gene said one, he heard his wife, uh, his wife once heard someone screaming. And he went, uh, went and checked it on all the kids and everybody was sound asleep. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound like something fun. That doesn't sound like a fun ghost would do that. Nope. And then, then uh, Gene's son said he saw a bunch of dark figures on the porch. And I was like, again, that sounds creepy and not fun. That doesn't sound good. Yeah, that, that is not a, more like satanic or something. That is not friendly Fred, you know? And then Gene's <laughs> mother-in-law was staying at the house one time, and she called Gene and was like, hey, all the cabinet doors in the kitchen swung open and shut all of a sudden. And that sounds poltergeisty there. That does not sound like a fun Fred activity. Uh, and I, I <laughs> fun Fred. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just gotta say, like, <laughs> if it they sounds can, like paranormal activity. Yeah, if they can tell me, if they can tell me that Fred got into some like anger management therapy and calmed down, I may think about getting this house. But until then, deals off. I can't deal with a unhappy uh, paranormal activity. Nope. Only happy Fred for me. Yeah. Uh, but. If you're looking for a haunted house, apparently there's one in uh, Pensacola. Just just for for anybody out there wanting one. Um, Would you go stay there for a night? I don't know. I just uh, there's there's not too much of a need. Like I I mean if there was incentive, <laughs> you know, if somebody were giving me some like cash or something to do it, I don't know. Maybe. And, and maybe like if I could get some kind of signature saying that Fred was going to be nice to me and not creep me out. So true. But if he's going to do creepy things, no thank you. I don't want to be a part of that house. <laughs> uh, as as listeners know, I am not a fan of scary things in real life or scary things in movies. Nope. Neither are necessary in my life. Nope. No thank you. <laughs> uh, anyways, guys, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear... From our guest, Sam Tanes, right here on the Doc G Show. This is a song, Dynamite. Living dangerous, don't need motivation. 
passion Tearing up the check and cashing glory is the payment Ain't it funny how they think that they can tame this Now I've seen it all Hey, they say don't push on the cages Hey, they might not like what I'm saying the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, if you haven't done so yet, download the podcast. Do it. You can do it on all kinds of different places. Tune in, Verbal, SoundCloud, Apple, all of these places have it. A bunch of others that I didn't list because I can't remember their names, but any one of those... <laughs> You can download it, and you can make my day. When I see those numbers go up, I'm like, I am reaching the Doc G community, and it makes me feel good. So true. It makes me feel good, and it makes Claude feel good, too. He's like, good. I didn't waste a Wednesday. That's good. I'm glad. (laughs) Well, I did, but people listened to me wasting a Wednesday. That's That's a fact. That's the good part, guys. It's it's never a waste being on the show. Never. Amen. 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 Uh, Claude, we need to thank the people that do listen. So uh, first, I'm going to go down the regulars. Here we go, real quick. 
Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Ashburn, Virginia, Noka, Minnesota, Dublin, Ireland, Barcelona, Spain, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, San Diego, California, Columbus, Georgia, Boardman, Oregon, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Genoa, Italy, Vanuatu, and Winfield, West Virginia. Regulars. Regulars. There we go. Shout out. Getting some uh, some Oh, yes. Yes, uh, Genoa, Italy has been a long, long time listener, like four years in a row. Shout out to Genoa. They have listened consistently. Wow. Big shout out. I think the only person on that regular list that has been listening long, or the only cities that have been listening longer, are Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, and Ashburn, Virginia. Those are the only longer regulars than Genoa, Italy. Yes. So... Shout Incredible. out. Yes, shout out to Genoa for being consistent, for sure. Uh, domestic. Now, here's some, of course, I like to just get a list of some of the cool places that I saw that I was like, well, those are some weird places. Let's shout out some of those weird places. These are all the domestic regular, or not regulars, but domestic listeners from last week. Not all of them. I just gathered some of the uh, the high-numbered places here. Here we go. Shout out to Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, Rogers, Arkansas, Renton, Washington, Killeen, Texas, Berkeley, California, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Gatson, Alabama, Northampton, Massachusetts, Weaverville, North Carolina, Alma, Georgia, Oxford, Mississippi, Pryor, Oklahoma, Orrington, Maine, Kearney, New Jersey, Bainbridge Island, Washington, Yorba Linda, California, Denver, Colorado, San Antonio, Texas. There we go. There we go. Awesome. I love to hear Mount Pleasant, South Carolina on the list. I feel like there you I go. Got a couple. Go. Got a couple ideas of who might have been the the people listening in. Got a little, got a little, got a few homies in Mount Pleasant. They definitely are yeah. on the list. You know, it always goes back between all the places around Charleston. But we usually have, I, you know, I won't say regulars because it bounces around the city. You got Isle of Palms. You get, you get uh, Mount Pleasant. You get North Charleston. You get Charleston itself. You sometimes you even get specific. You see like Goose Creek on there and whatnot. So, you know. Shout out to everywhere in Charleston. We appreciate it. Shout out to all the listeners, of course. We appreciate the listens, folks. Thank you very much. Um, Okay, Claude, you are obviously the NBA analyst. We need to talk some NBA. Are you ready to talk some NBA? I don't think there's a moment that I'm not ready. (laughs) <laughs> That's true. Amen. Amen. Uh, okay, so let's get this started here. We we like I said, finals are going. Which team are you more impressed by getting to the finals? Phoenix or Milwaukee? Who had the more impressive trip to the finals? Hmm. On paper, you would say that it would be Phoenix, but unfortunately okay. it's not. Um, mm. it would be Milwaukee and that's due to uh Phoenix just I hate it because they just mm. I love Chris Paul. I want him to win this ring, get right. his first one. But at the end of yeah. the day, they battled a uh, beaten up and and you know a team with no camaraderie or uh, chemistry in the Lakers. Uh, mm. LeBron didn't come back to the end of the season. Anthony Davis was hurt during the series. Yeah. Um, then then the next round you play uh, the Nuggets, um, and they don't have Will Barton for half the series. And the the main piece, obviously, Jamal Murray's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they move on to the Clippers, and, and they play a Kawhi-less Clippers yep. team. They don't have uh, uh, Serge Ibaka. They don't have Zubac. And now they're going to the finals to play 
against the Bucks, and Giannis has had the hyperextended knee now. So that's I, true. I'm all about Phoenix winning this for Chris Paul's sake, but at the end of the day, that makes it a little bit less impressive than what Milwaukee did, and the fact that Milwaukee could close out a conference finals without Giannis makes it a little more impressive for them. Middleton's doing it, man. He is. He's a baller. Shout out to hey, Chris shout out to, Another shout out. Yeah, shout out to Skiza Basketball. I, we've talked multiple times on the show about that. There you go. Shout out, man. Shout uh, out. Now, Torrey Craig got traded from the Bucks to the Suns this year, so no matter what, he gets a championship ring. Sweet. Uh, Claude, if you're Torrey Craig and the Bucks win, are you ever wearing that championship ring? Hmm. I think I take it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, oh, I don't yeah. know if I we- I don't know if I wear it, but I at least accept it. It reminds me of uh, of Anderson Verjao a couple years yeah. ago, mm-hmm. and but, um, you know he was with Cleveland for you know ten plus years or whatever it was, and then and then went to Oakland, yeah, and, yeah, mm-hmm. and goes and signs with the Warriors. Um, yeah, I I definitely accept the ring, but um, if anything, you can always you know sell it or give it to charity or something, but at least take it and use the money for whatever you need. I'd take it over the top. Everybody would come over to my house, and I'd be like, yeah, if it wasn't for me in those first practices of the year, they wouldn't have made it. <laughs> I really set them on. I gave them the mindset that they needed in that. I mean, every single practice, I'd gather the guys around, and they'd be like, what do we do, Ben? And I'd be like, listen, I'm going to tell you how to win this whatever comes in this season. The only thing that matters is what I say, guys. So that's why they won. Just wanted to let you guys know, you know? Oh, yeah. And then and then, then that's people would be like, Ben has a crazy lying story about his championship ring. You ever been over there to see him talk about it? It's weird. Um anyways. <laughs> so true. Apparently the Heat, the Knicks, the Mavs are pushing hard to get Kawhi this off season. Which one do you think would be most interesting? Hmm. Most interesting would be the Knicks, just because it's totally out of suit for him. I mean, he's he would be going to a to the big city, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, that just doesn't really fit his profile. You, L- I mean, L. A. is yeah, L. A. fits his profile straight, not because it's a big market, but because it's his hometown. You know, right? That, that's right. why he went back. Um, but as far as like teams go, if if I had to match him up with anyone there. With the Heat, you could have a lineup, you know, Ooh, with um, Jimmy Bam Butler, and Kawhi buckets. and Butler and Victor Oladipo, and I mean that would be pretty solid in the East. And Kawhi's shown he can push a team through the East. Um, in the West, it might be a little more difficult, but him and Doncic would be really good together. And I think Doncic is missing another offensive force, and uh, you know they need some more two-way players for defense, and that's why they made the trade for Curry. Uh, mm-hmm. to Philly last year for Richardson as they mm-hmm. were looking for more defense, and, and that trade ended up being a bad trade for them. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just say the most interesting would be the Knicks because it's the most unlikely. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm most interested in the Heat because, as you know, as I've told you, I'm interested in seeing Buckets and Kawhi play. Yes! Jimmy Buckets <laughs> and Kawhi would make me happy, and it would make me very happy if I could watch it in some Vice City jerseys. That's a fact. That would make oh, me even yeah. happier. Although, i got to be honest, uh, that just look doesn't really fit Kawhi. He doesn't. I not mean, you're not thinking Miami Vice for, for Kawhi. That is not the flair of South Beach. Is not Kawhi. But anyway, uh, those, d- those Clippers black and white jerseys. Fit that's Kawhi. Perfectly. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. Kawhi. That's Kawhi. Uh, uh, Elijah Bryant for the Bucks 
has a salary of $24,611 this season. Now, I bring is that, that up. Is that a two-way contract? It's got I bring, it, Yes, it is. And I mean, I know he's got to be happy to be on the team, but, but Elijah is making 1340 times less than Chris Middleton this season. Jeez. Like you got to <laughs> you got to feel a little inferior when you're in the in the uh, locker room and you're like that guy makes a thousand times more than me, literally more than a thousand but it, times. But it's motivation too because remember Chris Middleton is the uh only, or he's the first player to come out of the old D League and actually make an all-star team. He's the That's first it. one. Um, That's it. And and this is a guy on a two-way contract, so who better to look up to than, than Chris? That's a fact. There you go. And if anybody can make it, Elijah can. I believe in you, Elijah. Do it. Do it. <laughs> uh, Colin Cowherd said Lakers should take uh, AD and trade him for Dame. What do you think? I saw that. Um, I mean, his points are... I'm not saying that they're wrong. Basically, all you listeners uh, out there, Colin Coward was saying that um, AD is injury prone and uh, Dame is reliable. Um, they need somebody who can take the ball out of LeBron's hands and control the offense when he leaves the game. Anthony Davis has proven that he can't really do that. The Lakers really have a, even when AD plays without LeBron, they have a, a losing record, I believe. Um, I'm not saying that AD or excuse me, Dame and LeBron wouldn't be an amazing match together because I think that they would be. And all of uh, Colin Coward's points are correct, but you don't trade Anthony Davis. Mm. You don't, you, not unless he says he wants to go. Not mm. unless he's in, you know, he's with the Pelicans and says, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. But you don't, tr you don't trade Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis and LeBron James are the best one-two punch in the NBA when healthy. And LeBron could be, 40 years old and that'll still be the case the i just you can't trade that you got to keep it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we're running short on time so i got one more luca is going to the olympics for slovenia mm -hmm. if slovenia beats the united states should luca wear his medal to every single nba game from then on yes <laughs> yes yes, yes. yes yeah, definitely uh he just and then he just walks around and does um the magic I mean, man you know hand yeah. signal from uh from step or not step brothers from uh talladega knights yeah i mean he already said he already said that it'd be bigger than the uh, the the finals and i gotta be honest if they beat yeah, yeah i mean what what can any NBA play? He took on the whole NBA squad and wins. Like you got nothing left to say to Luca if he did that. Like I'm just, I'm just saying, Luca, you go for that. If you go for that, I'm fully for you wearing your gold medal everywhere. You just do it everywhere. If he, if he ends up winning the whole thing, though, you got to think Mark Cuban looks at him and says, "Well, I guess we're keeping Porzingis after all." <laughs> <laughs> You don't yeah. need any more help. You can do this. Yeah, I, that's true. He should be able to win the NBA Finals if he can win the Olympics with just himself. So that's, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> okay. Good NBA stuff. That's right. Uh, Claude, ready for the second birthday suit? Yes. Uh, let's see if I don't go 0 for 2. I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried you're going to go 0 for 2 because I feel like this <laughs> one's even harder than the first one. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, this is a comedian here. This is a comedian. Uh, born in Elgin, Illinois, July 7th, 1966. 
Our birthday suit wears family moved to Indiana when he was young. At the age of five, he announced to his family that he wanted to become an actor. However, he ended up going to Georgetown to study finance, and he played football at Georgetown. I had no idea that was the case. I was blown away by that fact. So true. And the the finance part. Neither I had no clue of either of those. And I'm a pretty big fan of his, his, his work. In 1990, he moved to New York to pursue comedy. He started finding success in stand-up comedy finding inspiration in Richard Pryor or David Letterman particularly, and he started doing a lot of observational comedy. Principally makes jokes around laziness, eating, and parenthood. Specifically food. All kinds of food jokes. Hmm. Since starting comedy, he has released 13 comedy albums. Six of those have been nominated for Grammys, and he's won a daytime Emmy for his contributions on CBS Sunday Morning. Just for a little clue, he's got really fine blonde hair, and he wears glasses. Name that birthday suit wear. Hmm. I, I'm really taking a shot here. Is it Ron White? No. Now you got a comedian out. I'll give you that. Oh. That's uh, Jim Gaffigan. Jim, oh, Jim. Gaffigan. You know got Jim, me. don't you? You know uh, yeah, Jim. you got me. I love Jim. His, I mean, it, you know, sometimes he gets crap for sort of being like the clean comedian, but his stuff's just funny, man. His stuff is funny. His Hot Pockets, <laughs> I love his Hot Pockets stand-up. It's fantastic. All of his new stuff, like he has a whole, like his most recent album is basically him doing a world tour. Like there are sta there, there are clips from him in Spain. There are clips from him in Korea. There are clips from him in in uh, Canada. And I'm like, geez, who can kill in all these different countries? Like he is making jokes and making people laugh that don't even speak uh, English. Like so true. How impressive is that? Like he's good stuff, man. Yeah. Hats off to Jim. He's turning the big. Uh, what is he turning? Five. Five, six, 50, no, 55, 55, turning 55. Happy 55th, Jim. Yeah, the double nickel. Happy birthday, Jim. Enjoy it, man. Well, Shout out. it is time, Claude, to move on to our guest, none other than Sam Tanes. We will be right back talking with Sam. Career, talking career, life, food, all kinds of different things. We'll be right back, right here on the Doc G Show. show because sometimes you need something playing in the background every wednesday at 7 p.m on 99.5 fm spinnaker this is 95.5 spinnaker radio wsklpfm unf jacksonville Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are super happy to have with a songwriter and an artist that you've probably heard of on TV or in movies, and you just didn't know who it was. He also just released a new single, Changes, Mr. Sam Tenez. Sam, how's it going? Man, going great. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, it should be going great. You just <laughs> celebrated your 13th year an wedding anniversary. Jeez. How exciting was that? Oh man, it's wild. I mean, we've been we've been together for over 13 years, probably about 20 years. We met each other when um, I was like a sophomore in high school and she was like a freshman. It's definitely that high school sweetheart thing. So it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Man, so now did you both of you guys grow up in Atlanta? Yeah, both of us grew up in Atlanta. You know, before that, I moved all over because my dad was in the Air Force. But um, mm. I mostly in my like uh, you know young adult life, I, I kind of grew up in Atlanta. Mm. Love Atlanta, yes! one of my favorite favorite cities. We've had a lot of uh, guests from Atlanta. Probably not not as many as Nashville, but definitely <laughs> good. Good amount. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the start in music. I actually heard in one of your recent interviews you were you were talking with uh, Head there from uh, yeah. from Corn, and you you brought up four CDs that you were like you had Nirvana, Nevermind, Green Day, Dookie, Corn, Peachy, and Cypress Hill. Here comes the boom. Was <laughs> was that the combination? Was it like that era of music that got you interested in doing music yeah definitely i mean it's it's funny because i think even from the start i was into like multiple genres obviously you know and mm -hmm. i just i just liked music where people were passionate about whatever it was that they were talking about and that had unique like perspectives i, I think everybody from cypress hill you know going through what they went through to green day like you know with the adolescence and the kind of like societal peer pressure stuff and girls mm -hmm. and and then corn <laughs> like something totally different they're talking about their strife with their parents and talking about being an outsider and it's just mm -hmm. uh, you know and nirvana i mean like i just vibed with all of it I, I just was going through all of it at the same time and so um yeah it's pretty crazy when i look back those were just pivotal records in music period but i somehow was lucky enough to pick them off the shelf with their album art and be like this is sick looking i want to i want to listen to this <laughs> it is it is funny how that used to be such a thing relative to now as far as album art because oh like we use, I mean, that's you used to go into the into the music store and just see these big posters and be like, oh, it's so cool. Oh, yeah. what's that? Like, and I used to be tricked a little bit back in the day. I like, I have appreciation now for Grateful Dead, but back <laughs> in the day, when I would see a Grateful Dead, I'd be like, oh my god, that's so cool. And then my brother would be like, nah, the music's not that good, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and na now I like Grateful Dead, but like back then I was, yeah. I'd turn it on and be like, what? What is this? This does not match the. This doesn't match that art that I just saw on the front cover. But yeah, you could definitely be sucked in by by what you saw on the front. It's pretty pretty wild. Uh, and speaking of those bands, you you did a series of interviews yourself. You were the interviewer there, uh, yeah. for Battle Talks, which was was super cool. Um, you you interviewed all these artists that sort of had different battles in their lives and you know head was one of those from corn yeah. uh, brandon boyd from incubus and uh, yep. richard pa patrick from filter uh being a dude that was pretty entrenched in those 90s bands what was it like getting to 
to chat with these dudes that, you know, I mean, are from some of those pivotal bands. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit surreal. I, I really think that it's only because of the COVID reality that we were in that they even had time to sit down and hang out and chat with me. I mean, I, I feel really lucky because, I mean, I, I used to, like, in high school, try to try to sing like Brandon Boyd or, you know, yeah. with Filter. I remember, I remember the first time I heard Hey Man, Nice Shot, and it mm. was just kids, like like fake rocking out to it like for a talent show that was their whole talent show but there was something about <laughs> something about it that gave me chills because the music was so powerful you know and then i you know and then you know sitting there with head i'm like i feel like eighth grade me would <laughs> his pants right now if he knew that he was <laughs> hanging out with head from corn like and it yeah. really it really kind of led to some friendships too with um you know with richard patrick me and him have been chatting back and forth and i'm actually going to make some music with him in august which is kind of crazy um yeah you know i just loved his music growing up and so you know you just never know what stuff leads to and i think for me battle talks was just a way to like you know just kind of selfishly hear people's journey and try to learn from it and uh and you know and hope that it helped my journey moving forward for sure and now was it just me or did brandon boyd give off a, a Steven Tyler vibe during your video. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. He, he definitely has that, like, otherworldly, like, um, man, elevated intelligence, like... Yeah. Art, like, well, I mean, pure he, artist. He was he was set in Indian style there, and he yeah, had the... You're he so had, right. He had the streak of, like, blonde gray hair going in his long hair, <laughs> and I was just waiting for him to pull out some jangly bracelets and scream out dream on i was like it's gonna happen i can i can feel it like i think he's slowly converting into uh steven tyler for sure <laughs> it's very cool though for sure uh and and you know you mentioned like the sort of luckiness i guess you could say of of you know doing a lot of those zooms during the pandemic you also, I, I just saw, like, just recently, just a couple of months back, you got to do a Zoom right with uh, Rob Thomas, which, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, Man. Match, Matchbox 20. I know. You know, I, I definitely, my breakup song when I was in uh, high school, whenever a girl would break up with me, which would be often, was that <laughs> Gone song. You know, that, like, um, yeah. baby, you need to yeah. come home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I used to be like, oh, you do need to come home. <laughs> Um, and, and it's just so funny, like, you know, hanging out and riding with him. He is he is every bit of much energy as he puts himself off as on stage. Like, yeah. he's got that wild artist energy that he just, like, when he's riding, he's just, like, throwing out a million ideas. And you're just like, dude, you are a legend. Um, but it was really cool. I mean, it actually... Um, his team reached out about riding with me and, and my buddy um, Matt, and uh, it was just um, super cool. I mean, obviously, I would have loved to have been in the room and hang and just there's something about being in the presence of other people that's um, that's just a vibe. But uh, I mean, gosh, I'll take I'll take when I can get riding with legends like, you know, Rob. And um, yeah. it was a cool experience. You know, I feel like I learned something every time I write with somebody and Rob was no exception. It's definitely cool to know that. I mean, you know. Rob's been going on like that for, you know, 30 years and he still has that, like you said, that just energy of like, oh my God, we're writing something. This is awesome. 
Let's do this. Yeah, like he, he loves it. He's just he. That's that's the thing that I I think I've had some older producers and people say in front of me was like, oh, I just need to you know I just need to find ways to stay interested in music. And I always thought that was weird when I was younger. But <laughs> as I get older and the more I write, the more I understand. And so for somebody like Rob, who is just has the same level of passion and excitement about music, like he's doing it right, and that he's staying interested in music. He's doing new things and fresh stuff, and you know, obviously writing with new people that he's never written with before I think that keeps it fresh and you know when you like when you stay isolated and kind of don't do things like that I think that's when your inspiration dies yeah well I mean in, inspiration is you know, we went over several of those bands from the 90s and that you got to to work with and it's funny like uh, a couple of the guys in your vein uh, that actually I know you've worked with like zade wolf and esterly we both had those guys on the show fantastic oh, fellas awesome. yeah yeah and, and i ended up talking sort of grunge with both of them we we ended up talking <laughs> you know red hot chili peppers and green day and and yes. uh even later with uh zade he talked like the ataris and stuff and i i see similarities sort of in all of your careers and I think you can hear the influence in your music too. Not not super directly, but it's definitely there. Do you find yourself oh, sometimes seeing that that connection in a song and being like, "Oh, there it is. There's that grunge." Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I definitely sometimes I even have to pull it back because I you know I feel like my love for grunge and my love for alt rock is probably way more than the mass uh, majority of of society these days. <laughs> and so sometimes sometimes I'm like, ah, gotta pull those guitars back a little bit. They're gonna freak out. Or they're not gonna like that. And you know, it's but but I do feel. I mean, the one thing I love is that I'm able to kind of now like use my kind of rock vocal again. I feel like it's start, starting to slowly come back into trend. And um and you know, I've been kind of holding back some of those tinges, but it's been cool to kind of just let it all out recently. And, um, you know, I, I definitely that kind of punk rock attitude and just kind of like pushing back on society norms and all that, like I, I definitely am feeling like an outsider. Like I definitely that music spoke to me in moments where I had nobody that I thought felt like that. So, man, I think that was, it was like a North Star for me, that music and, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s. Now, was that was that the type of music that your bands were playing in high school? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would probably say it's funny because I was from Atlanta, so I was definitely also a Butch Walker fan. Like, um, nice. I don't know if you remember the band, a band called Marvelous Three, but yeah. they, oh my gosh, we, we covered Freak of the Week every time that we played, <laughs> um, which was like, you know, a huge like alt rock single or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then we also did some Incubus stuff. And then we had our own originals, which for sure sounded like either Incubus, Nirvana, or, um, or Green Day. And I tried my best to sing any of those styles, you know, manipulate yeah. my voice to sound like Brandon or, you know, try to scream it out like Kurt or, you know, whatever. But man, yeah, I, I think I, cutting my teeth was, you know, I definitely when I cut my teeth, it was in that kind of stuff, in that vibe and tried to be as rock star as possible on stage, you know? <laughs> nice. Now, well, now I heard... You you say that the band that you had one of the bands you had in high school you guys were actually offered a development deal from Interscope, but yeah. the guys your bandmates turned it down. The dudes that were in your band were like, "Pass, 
we 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 want <laughs> real careers, real careers. What? I know the nerve. I know. Yeah, the, the other two. It's funny because I was in a band and it was a three-piece band, just like you know, just like Marvelous Three. And I was like, man, we're really doing it, you know, or whatever. And um, we got we got we played at some. Um, we played at some guy's like or some somebody's birthday party, and an A and R mm-hmm. from Interscope happened to be there at the birthday party, which is so hilarious. Yeah, and here we are, like little little like zit faced kids, and he <laughs> walks up and he's like, "Hey, like I want to offer you guys a development deal with Interscope," and I was like, "Oh my gosh, my dreams yeah. are coming true! Everything's yeah. happening!" You know, and we sat down with them, and we were in Tree Sound Studios, which is in Atlanta, and they had just recorded like the Outcast, like yeah. Um, like you know some outcast records in there that you know we're winning grammys and I was like, oh I think. my god yeah exactly exactly i was like man we're next this is happening for us and uh and so we sit down with them and the other two guys kind of reveal like no like i want to go to college and the other one's like yeah i want to go to college too and i was like oh, crap like yeah. what do i do you know and it kind of ruined it kind of took the steam out of everything and i you know i pushed forward trying to do a solo thing for a second and I've just always been such a band guy that like, I just was like, nah, I don't want to do this. And so I ended up going to college uh, in Nashville instead. Um, but it was a big decision. It was kind of heartbreaking. And I was like, ugh, like that was yeah. my first taste of like disappointment in music industry. Well, I mean, that to me, it seems a little ridiculous. Like, I mean, I don't go and get me wrong. I'm all for school. I'm a teacher. I have to be all <laughs> for, for school. But, but we're talking a bird in a hand here. It might not be the biggest bird, but you got one in the hand. It's not in the bush. I know. You're, like, they can always reapply to school. Your GPA and whatnot's not going away from high school. Like, nope. God, what were their parents I thinking? I would have been like, go for it. What are you guys waiting on? Do it. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I mean, you know, it's my whole life. I've kind of been dragging people along with me because I'm just, I'm just not, you know, as I am a solo artist, but I hate being a lone wolf. And I think that um, my whole life I've been kind of dragging people around with me because I, I wanted to have other people. I love the, the romantic notion of things like bands like U2 or Coldplay where they've been together from the beginning. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same members. They all write together. They live, you know, they live yeah. together. Like it just was just romantic things. So that's what I wanted. But you know, ultimately what I learned is that like, man, that is rare and that is hard to get. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, ultimately like those guys, they probably made the right decisions because I'm sure they would be playing stadiums and arenas and whatever else with me and be hating their life, which is the weirdest. <laughs> I mean, how yeah. like how is that even possible? But if you don't love what you're doing, there will be many moments in music where you're like, I hate this, you know? That's true. That's true. You do. And I mean, it's it's basically like you said, if it's a three piece, it's a, it's a marriage by three. If it's a four yeah. piece, it's a marriage by four and marriage by one. You, you on your 13th year, I'm sure you can attest, is, is difficult enough. So true. Marriage by yeah, three it's hard enough. is, is going to make it even more difficult. So it's, it's understandable. Yes. But uh, <laughs> so like you say, you ended up going to college yourself and you went to Belmont. Yeah. Was it because it was Nashville? Was that the reason you went? Was it because it was a music town or was there other reason that you decided on Belmont? Yeah, it was it was between that and UGA. UGA was in Athens, so I knew the legacy of Athens, you know, from yeah. you know REM and and all the big bands that kind of came out of there. But I but I also knew that like my chances of making it out of 
Athens was a little bit lower. You know, I would have to be as remarkable as R.M. Yeah. to even get a shot. And I was like, ah, I don't know, you know. So I went to Nashville knowing that, you know, there was. I was like, there's a whole street dedicated to labels <laughs> and publishers. And I'm like, I feel like that's that's more than what Athens is. So I just felt like kind of a thing there. And so I decided to go and... Um, funny enough, the, the, the band that I was with at that time, I, I kind of pulled back and became the guitar player for a while for a bunch of different bands. And the one band that I was with in, during that season was um, signed to Curb Records, which was like Tim McGraw, Jody Messina, Leanne Rimes, a bunch of country artists, then a yeah. bunch of Christian stuff. And, uh, and it was kind of an interesting journey. I did a couple records um, with them on that record label and then just decided, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this touring thing anymore and I can't do these, this music. I don't know if I love this music as much as I should to be dedicating my life this much to it. Um, and then I really was back to square one, you know, and started yeah. writing for other artists. And yeah, it was, it was the whole college thing into signing with the record label was really weird you know <laughs> <laughs> we we've had some belmont alums on the show too actually uh oh no way yeah T tammy rogers from the steel drivers and uh moon oh, taxi awesome. and the band Dude, moon uh, taxi. yeah and and betcha all of those guys have uh, yeah. uh were were from belmont did you major in music at belmont or were you in something else you know, there, we always had this joke, like the people that majored in music didn't ever end up doing music, and the yeah. people that majored in, in music business were the ones who made it, and there's probably a reason for that. I mean, you have to know a decent amount of music business knowledge to not get screwed on your way, you know, but yeah. I, I think, um, I remember though, the Moon Taxi guys, like, I remember seeing them playing in a showcase and being like, gosh, they are weird and wild and like... <laughs> Maybe I'm like in that name Moon Taxi. Like you know, I even remember at the time I was like valeting to like you know make some extra cash, and the manager for Moon Taxi was valeting with me, and he was telling me all the stuff that was going on, and and then years later being at Bonnaroo, you know, and seeing yeah. them on this big stage and everybody singing all the words, I was like, wow, they did it! Like this is crazy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it it I was I thought immediately when you said you know music uh, management there makes it, it makes it as bands and I was like that's exactly what Moon Taxi that's what Tommy said from Moon Taxi and I was like yeah it's true you got you got time to work it you got time to think about it you're not just sitting there learning all all music 100% of the time uh oh, but yeah. you know Spe speaking of, you said the name Moon Taxi like like uh, your band was Mike's Chair and uh <laughs> I, I heard there was some trouble naming the band, and that's why it sort of ended up with Mike's chair. Did anyone oh my at, gosh. Did anyone at Curb, when you when you guys signed, were like, so, about the name? Hmm. Is there a... Yeah. <laughs> there was definitely, like, all, probably the first year we were signed there, there was a lot of, like... Hey, like, what else could your name be? Like, I know that you have Mike's chair, but like, what have you guys thought about any other names? You know, kind of like hinting, like, hey, why don't you think of some? So, I mean, we were like, at one point, we were like thinking about Greenhouse, and I mean, all these, like, but they were worse. It was like, they were worse than Mike's chair. Like, if that's even possible, like, they were worse. And I'm just like, I think at a certain point, we just gave up. We were just like, whatever. And um, it's, it's funny because forever when we would do shows and stuff, fans would come up and be like, hey, are you Mike's chair? Is he going to sit on you? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. I, like, I just the want to smack you. The oh worst dad jokes. Oh, my gosh. They were so bad. And I was like, 
this name sucks. I hate my life. <laughs> I probably quit. I probably quit because of the name. <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, oh man, that just seems like such a, one of those things that I would have just been like, no, 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 we can't. We can't go with that. We got to we got to come up with something. I know I know we haven't been able to for weeks and we we got to keep going. We got to keep trying. Yes. Push through yeah. soldiers. <laughs> well, I I heard you talking about the valet and whatnot and I I actually yeah. and that was after you got signed because you know yeah. everybody thinks when you get signed you're now a millionaire and you're awesome and you don't <laughs> Doesn't actually happen like that. Uh, nope. But I heard you also not only valeted, but you had this job where you worked for like an estate auction. Did, yes, that was weird. You, I was about to say, do you have any weird stories, like specific stories about that? Because I feel like Gosh. it had to generate some. Yeah, I mean, we we would we would find. I mean, we would. The weird thing is sometimes that like the people would die and then the families would have us go into the houses and look through drawers, like look for things that may have value, which was so <laughs> weird. I mean, the things we would find, everything from, you know, naughty toys to, you know, like strange, strange hidden, like, you know, drugs or I, I was just like, this is weird. I hate this. Like this, like, what are we doing? We're, I'm like, I feel like I'm going to be haunted by this person's ghost. I'm going to be sleeping like a like, pirate, a weird pirate. Oh, yeah. I was, I was like an auction house pirate and I felt like I was going to wake up to somebody's ghost being like, don't look at my <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I had a real short job that was actually similar to that. I worked for an really? auction company. Yeah, I worked for an auction company. Uh, but like the the instead of looking at estates, they actually owned apartments too. And this one uh. day, they told me and my friend that worked there, they were like, "Hey, these people haven't paid rent." For months, so uh, <laughs> we're gonna go take all their stuff. Jeez! And we were like, "What?" And they were like, "Yeah, you got to go into the apartment, take the stuff, put it into a storage unit until they pay their rent." And we we're like, "Uh, okay." Oh my so, gosh! So like, we had to go into their house, and it was sort of like you're saying, we're like just going around like. Okay, so just put this all in the containers. Okay, and we went into this one room, and there was basically a futon. A pair of dirty underpants and a machete. Ew. And and I told my friend, I was like, we we need to hurry up and get out of here fast. Like if these people if whoever owns this comes back, we're in trouble. Like and so I was a little worried that an alive person was gonna come back when I was awake. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it if I was like trying to like repost stuff and the people might be coming home to kill me. Like that sounds even more stressful. I couldn't do it. Oh, oh man. If like, if they would have actually came in, I immediately would have been like, keep all your stuff. I'll see you later. Don't blame me. They forced me to do it. Like, yeah, like there's like, no wait, way. What's, I'm that what's that big ring on your pants? Uh, my stuff. I'm sorry. I'll see you later. <laughs> You There's clean it up. No way I'm staying there for that. Like no, we have stories no. on the show all the time about people like doing crazy things for like their like you know somebody getting like held up at KFC and then oh them gosh. running after the guy that held them up and tackling them and I'm like what? No, no, no way. I would I would have given them all the stuff at KFC and been like here Keep take all of our chicken, here's all yeah. the money, here's everything yeah. like I'm like no. not I'm not dying for, for chicken that. and like, biscuits. Exactly. No. Well, anyways, I got sidetracked. <laughs> so 
like like you said, you you guys you did you had some success with Mike's chair, even though you yeah. you had to get side hustle on. You guys had success, and by the end, you I mean you guys you were on the the soundtrack for Evan Almighty. You had some big singles. Uh, was it was it really like the the touring hassle that made you leave the band? Was that the main thing? You know, it was a mixture. Our our deal was really bad. You know, we had a really mm. bad record deal, and I don't think we knew it because we were kids. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of honestly. I'm sure other artists have said this before. I'm not the only one to ever say this, but it feels a bit like when you look back on it, it feels a bit like people took advantage of you. Like, like, like they, all the adults in the room knew what was happening. They knew what was in the deal and they knew how it would affect our lives moving forward, but no one really explained it to us. And even though we had a lawyer, we had a manager, even those people kind of failed us and fell short a little bit on really explaining what things meant. So when we signed the record deal, one of the things that really hit us the most, um, beyond you know them controlling our releases and everything like like that outside of artistic stuff was the buyback rate which is the the amount of money that mm. you buy back a CD from a record label for so our buyback rate was $7.50 so so we would go out on the road we'd sell a couple thousand CDs but we would have to buy them from the record label for $7.50 yeah. a piece. So we were spending 15 grand on CDs. We were the we were definitely the um, the biggest retailer of our music. And what <laughs> what sucks about that is that like they were making the most money off of us. I, I guarantee Target was not buying the CDs from them for $7.50 and yeah. you know, we just had a really rough deal and it's funny cuz you think that one thing wouldn't make such a big difference, but you know, oh, as yeah. as the price of food was rising, the price of gas was rising, the price of cotton for merchandise and all that, it just made it to where five guys. There was no way five guys could be could support families or support themselves off of it. I mean, I think at one point I was making, in which this was the the peak of it. I was making like yeah. $600 a month, you know, and mm. my poor wife, you know, she had like a real job and I'd come home with my $600 check after being gone <laughs> for 25 out of the 30 days in the month, you know, and it just, it just, it didn't make sense. You know, in the moment I stopped enjoying it, the moment I stopped loving the music, I think I was like, man, I'm done, you know? Um, yeah. So I think the touring was just a, an excuse to, Part. you know, cause yeah. I really, I loved, I loved meeting new people. I loved playing in new cities and I mean, as much as I think the way that we toured was stupid. We just said yes to everything because we were kids. We had no idea what we were doing, you know, and yeah. I think more is better. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, more is better. And as long as we're doing something, there's momentum. And that's not necessarily true, but it felt true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. And then you just got overworked and not enough put back in. Yeah, exactly. Well, now. When you left, like, I mean, obviously, if listeners haven't heard, Mike's chair is, is different. It's, you know, it's it's Christian rock-esque. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, now, you know, what you do now is more sort of like we were talking about, alt-rock, electronic, pop sort of vein that you have. Now, when, when you came to Nashville, there wasn't any of that really going on. As far no. as what you're doing now. now, when you left Mike's chair, did you see that change around you? Were you like, oh, whoa, 
There's all it, of a sudden there's all these other things going on. No, you know, it was it was a long journey. I mean, I after I left the band, I started writing for other artists in that same genre because, like I said, I mean, you either did country music or you did Christian music. There really wasn't any choices. Um, yeah. But but then all of a sudden, um, kind of a, a third door started to appear. I, I met the guys um, Josh Farrow and Zach Farrow. Who you, um, Zach is still in Paramore, but at the time he had left, and so did Josh. They both left Paramore, and um, you yeah. know Josh Josh was responsible for writing you know big songs like Only Exception and um, Misery yeah. Business. Um, and all these things and so we met and we started making music together and that was kind of the first time I, I realized like oh I'm my my leaning and my talent and my skill actually is alternative music and so those guys you know being in a doing a thing with them for a second even if it was for a split second we did a full record together and then you know of course like all dramatic you know rock movies you know on bands happen it's just <laughs> everything everything fell apart and this person wanted to be the singer over this person and it was just it was just a mess but what it led to um was me actually meeting uh this girl named maggie eckford and um yeah i met her and uh and at the time, I was trying to finish the stuff that I had started with Josh and Zach uh, for a band called Wave and Rome with Matt Bronlewy. And um, so when Maggie approached me and said, hey, I want to start writing some stuff with you, I thought of the only producer I knew that, that was at that high level that she was at. Because when I looked her up, I was like, whoa, she's got stuff on Olympics and all this crazy stuff. And so I brought Matt yeah. in. And little did I know the combination of me, Maggie, and Matt would become this new sound which was this dark cinematic heavy music with this fragile voice that channeled some of the like the the alt rock things that i love um from the past yeah. and uh and it kind of like i there was really nobody else doing this like dark cinematic with a fragile voice like that that incorporated some pop melodies and um the you know her stuff is called ruel and uh and it really is yeah. blasted off it's done incredibly well i mean she was i think number two most synced artists one year below Billie Eilish during Billie's peak. So that's kind of gives you a, an idea of, you know, the stratosphere that, that Maggie has been living in. And, um, and it's been a really cool journey to watch. And that kind of, that's what pushed me into, okay, there's another door, there's another path. And being a part of Maggie's journey and her rise kind of showed me that I could put my voice on something and maybe I could use a similar formula to do the same thing. For sure. For sure. Now, you know, when you were mentioning, because it did, it seemed like you got in a bit of a groove there after Mike's chair where you were writing for uh, David Dunn and Natalie Grant and uh, Newsboys, just all, all these contemporary Christian artists there. Yeah. Uh, did, had, had you sort of accepted like that was your career at that point? Like after a while, you're like, okay, I guess I... I write songs for these folks. This yeah. is what I do. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I definitely had some cowboy tears about it. I was I was like I was like, man, I, I like these people. I, I this music's okay. Like, but I was like, man, yeah. I, mean, I, I gotta provide for my family and I believe in the message. I just I just hated I hated a lot of the sound of what was happening there. And so and yeah. I knew it I knew it was seventy five percent of what I had to give. But I, I really I did get to a point where I was kinda like, well, I guess this is it. But then when Maggie popped up and kind of, you know, she was 
being a part of her thing kind of opened that door, it was almost like I saw an escape route. And I was almost working two jobs basically during the day writing this contemporary Christian music and at night, you know, writing this other stuff um, with Maggie. At night, and Matt. you got to let your hair down and you were yeah. like, this is way better. Yeah, it was, it was honestly just like, it was just freeing to be able to write whatever sound I wanted to. It's much like country music, where country music has a, a framework of what it sounds like, what it's saying. Christian music has yeah. a framework of what it sounds like and what it's saying, but TV film is just, it's wide open spaces. It's like pop. It's like, whatever the freshest coolest thing is do that and write about whatever you want i could write about the world being destroyed i could write about you know being powerful i could write about you know love i could not write about love i it's just all the things and it just was kind of wide open um yeah and i but i did i did have a moment where i was like okay like this is my fate how am i gonna make this yeah. work you know the the first song you wrote like you said with with maggie and matt was uh was up in flames yeah now did you immediately like after you wrote that full song were you like oh this is the space i want to be in this is this is it like were did you feel it after that song like oh i got to do more of this it was definitely like uh holy crap, I feel like I just tapped into my potential. I feel like I just, like, I felt, you know, me and Maggie definitely have this chemistry and this spark creatively that is magic. And and then, and yeah. then me and Matt also have that creative spark. So putting us all three together, it was just like this thing happened that felt like it was elevated above what all of us were doing alone. And I love that part about collaborating with people. And um, it was a moment where like I heard the song back and I was like, holy crap, this is everything that I've been wanting to do. It's it's pop, but it also has potential to be heard by the world. And, um, you know, with Christian music, when I'd go home and say, hey, I wrote for da -da 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 -da, this person, that person, nobody had any idea who I was talking about, yeah. what I was talking about. But with with, yeah. with um, Maggie, it was like Up in Flames place. Our first placement was in a show called Revenge back in the day that was on ABC. And mm -hmm. people people would be texting me or I'd see them and they'd be like, dude, I heard that song in, in an episode yeah. of Revenge. Like I was just watching TV and it and it intersected me. And, you know, I, I just thought that was so cool. I think that whole it's still even to this day, as many placements as as I've had and as has have happened, it's still exciting to be watching TV and hear something that you're working on in the studio pop up on your TV, you know? For sure, for definitely. Now, what at what point, writing with those guys, with Maggie and Matt and whatnot, did you start saying, hold up, hmm. I could be this artist. I could be <laughs> I could be a dude with this music. Like, when did you start looking at your own music? Well, you know, watching watching her kind of like you know crazy rise from zero followers to all of a sudden she had fifty thousand, all of a sudden to a hundred thousand, and her numbers yeah. were just her numbers were astronomical. They were just blowing my mind. I I never in a million years would think that. I could ever sing on something and have as much success as Maggie. And, um, but I, I did have this feeling of like, man, like there are no dudes in this space. Like, I mean, Maggie's the only, we're the only ones in this space right now, period. But also there's yeah. no dudes. So I actually, my first, my first TV film co-write and also this person, Tommy Prophet, his first TV film co-write yeah. was with, was with me, which is crazy. Cause now he, you know, he destroys in that lane, but, and, and, you know, even his NF stuff, his stuff where he produces NF is very in the TV film lane. But like at yeah. the time, at the time, like he wasn't doing any of that. And so we wrote a song together called Glass Heart 
and I sang on it. And if you listen to it, you can hear like I'm figuring out how to sing. Like I'm figuring out what is my <laughs> what does my voice sound like? I've been mimicking everybody else's voice for gosh, I mean forever, you know, writing yeah. for them. And what do I sound like, you know? And so you can kind of hear a little bit of that stumbling in that. But that song ended up placing in a huge thing um, for Quantico, and that was a moment. Um, where uh yeah just kind of like i feel like fate and destiny kind of like took the wheel and was like all right here let's take this side road and um yeah it's <laughs> been been kind of a wild ride from there well i mean was that a weird process there like you said trying to figure that voice out because like like you said the whole the, you've been in a band or you've been a writer for other artists this whole time in your career and now all of a sudden it's like oh what do i do it was i mean i i kind of was like you know, sitting there with Tommy and I knew that what we were doing was special and I was like, I may not have the confidence to do this, but I'm going to, I'm just going to fake it. And I'm just going to try to figure out what I sound like, you know? And so, <laughs> and the, you know, and I, and when we, when I listened back, I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like something like that sounds, that sounds that, sort of confident. No, yeah, it kind of sounds like a, like something. And the more I did it, the more I was, was writing and recording. And that was what was cool about TV film is it almost tricked me and sometimes artists need to be tricked you know it tricked me yeah. to thinking don't be so like with Josh and Zach everything was very precious every every write every recording every vocal take every guitar take and it was intense you know and it taught me a lot about being really intense intentional about how you want something to sound and what you want the sound of something to be but the thing I didn't love about it w was that it made me overthink everything and I like that mm -hmm. I don't need to overthink any more than I already do and so you know just doing this TV film stuff, they'd be like, hey, like do a swag rock song, which is kind of like, you know, Black Keys or Imagine Dragons or whatever. And so yeah. I tried my voice in that realm and I was like, oh, wow, my voice kind of does that. Like, I didn't even know my <laughs> voice could do that, you know? And they're like, oh, do a song like this. And I would try that. And I'm like, oh, my voice does that well too. And I, I started to find these strengths and these lanes that my voice and my artistry kind of lived in. And if it wasn't for TV film and briefs and people saying, hey, try this, try that, try this. And me just letting go of it going, I'm not really even an artist. These are just songs that are going to live out in the ether and find their way on TV. But like, they're not a reflection of me. Well, like, yeah. that's, that's how I felt at least, you know? Um, little did I know that those songs would become, you know, staples for me, but, um, I yeah. think it freed me up to not overthink it, you know? Nice. Now, now you released Babel in 2017 and that was like, you know, that was the first album. How did it feel when you actually had an album that was you and that was your music? Yeah, that was, that was kind of crazy. Cause I was like, oh man, like. I got to make sure this doesn't suck because if I put this out <laughs> and, ev and everybody listens to it and they're like, this sucks, like they're going to say Sam sucks. And that's that's one <laughs> thing I didn't, I didn't realize about artists is like all artists kind of feel it's like all that. you. Yeah, it's like yeah. you. It's like it's like even though even if you had other people writing or producing it on it, like if it sucks, people are gonna go, "You suck," you know, like yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, th I think I was really nervous about putting it out, and I was even more nervous about like putting it out and just nothing happening with it. Um, I I mean, I had six hundred dollars to to do a photo shoot. I had you know two hundred fifty dollars to do an album cover, and you know, uh, you know maybe. 500 more dollars to to master the record so i was maybe all in at Man. like 1300 dollars, which was a lot i mean i was at the time i was so poor that like 
you know, it was a lot, but that was life savings. <laughs> yeah, that was a, yeah, that was my like the only savings I'd have in my account. But my wife was, you know, gracious enough to let me do it and believed in it. And we kind of saw some things happening around a few of the songs, like Legends Are Made and Wolves, that was kind of pointing, yeah. like maybe this is a thing, you know. And so I took the leap, and uh, and I'm really glad I did. I mean, gosh, like yeah, the, these songs have literally changed my life. I mean, a song Play with Fire was on that record, and um. You know, I didn't know at the time that it was as big of a song as it was, but yeah. it's really, you know, over the last four years, it's really shown itself. And um, we're right now, uh, like, going through the process of getting it um, RIA certified gold. It just hit gold yeah. as far as sales numbers. And it's just, that kind of blows my mind. I mean, independent, no marketing, no radio, no placements on that song, really. And it's gold. Like, I yeah. never in a million thought that years thought that that would have ever happen, especially on that record, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, Play With Fire has 120 million streams on Spotify by itself. I mean, Crazy. just on Spotify. And now, I a lot of it, and I think I saw you post on Instagram actually about this, has to do with uh, TikTok. Yeah, TikTok um, is really pushing the numbers right now. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, I was about to say, is it just me, or like, am, is this the old man in me, or does it's TikTok seem more impactful than like radio concerts and playlists combined? Like, I mean, so true. a song takes off, and all of a sudden you're getting a hundred more thousand streams a day. Uh, just because of TikTok. I mean, did you I even really, know what was going on when it started like being used on TikTok? Were you like, what's you, why are you, why are people listening? What was going on? Like, <laughs> I think it's crazy because I think at first the the first viralness really started in people making these little things that I have kind of discovered called fandom videos. And basically there's like different fandoms. There's like the Twilight fandom and then there's like mm -hmm. the Mar Marvel fandom. And, you know, there's all these different fandoms where people are just huge on. And so people would make edits where they take scenes from the, the videos or the whatever and they put them with my Play With Fire song with that, like, or Lucifer, you know, that show Lucifer, they'd put yeah. scenes from Lucifer with Play With Fire in the background or their favorite villain or whatever. And that that's what kind of started a lot of the beginning of it. And then as things started to die down for a second, then the TikTok thing started picking up. And it was like, I had thrown out this one um, back when I, I, um, <clears throat> I tried to sign that song. Well, I, I did sign that song for a distribution deal to Warner and tried to push it mm -hmm. to radio. Of course, it was during COVID. Um, so it all just fell to pieces. But, you know, the one good thing that came out of it is I hired this girl to do a TikTok and she she was genius enough to come up with this idea of like, OK, you start out and you're you're dressed normally. And then you yeah. for her for her, she blew out like some some flower and then she was hot. It was like I, I was like, oh, like, that's like that's what the kids would like. You're like, what? Everybody loves the transition videos. Yeah, those oh, are they love so the transition videos. I think she kind of started it. We put that out just to kind of give people like an idea and she had a following and then nothing really happened from it. So I was like, ah, oh, that was a failure. That was a waste of time, whatever. But then something crazy happened was months later, somebody took that same idea, but used the lighter instead and it just blew up. It was like they mm. used the lighter for the transition and it was, the rest is like, you know, has been crazy. And the wild thing is it's not even just play with fire. Recently, SportsCenter used legends are made in a video and next thing i know when i'm open up tiktok to do a video it listed tiktok viral songs like hey choose one of these songs and legends are made was in there and i was like <laughs> 
I was like, what is happening? I mean, if you saw my TikTok account, you would laugh. It's like, it's definitely an old man TikTok <laughs> account. Like, there's like nothing happening on there. It's not cool. It's definitely not doing what you're supposed to be doing on TikTok. I, I've got to get my TikTok game up. But I'm really thankful for things like this, like that can push an independent song that and an artist that really nobody, you know, I, I'm not known on a, on a world level, but this it's it's pushing me out there, you know. Well, that's the amazing thing to me about TikTok is the detachment from sort of the the artist. I mean, the music <laughs> is loved, and it's a huge part of TikTok. Obviously, is because yeah. you they play to all the crescendos of the music, and they play to these small lyrics of you know their videos and what they're saying. But at the same time, like people know it from the TikTok. They don't yeah. know oh, it. Yeah. Like like you walk down to 99% of the people that used your song in their videos and they'd be like, who's that guy? Oh You'd yeah, like, that's they, the guy you used in the song. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> they, nice. yeah they'd have no idea. I, I think I yeah. like that the anonymity is like really great because I, you know, for me, fame has always when I was a kid, I thought I saw it as a blessing, but as an adult, I see it as a curse. It really is. I've not seen fame do much good for anybody. Um, and yeah. you know, I, I've seen it. You know, people getting famous young, and it really stunts their emotional and their like. You know. I don't know, just intelligence growth. And then I've seen it as an adult, like it, it ruined families. And I was just like, man, I don't want any of that. Like, this is like kind of the sweet spot where like people Perfect. know my, yeah, they know my songs, yeah. they know my songs more than they know me. Kind of like a Mike Posner where like Mike Posner could probably be walking down the street looking all crazy with his crazy beard and his like yeah. wild glasses and hair. And I mean, nobody knows who like probably wouldn't know who Mike Posner is, you know, just from how he looks. But it's like they'll know his songs. I mean, they would know Pill and Ibiza like 100%, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, I mean, and it goes perfectly with the lyrics of Pill and Ibiza, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's true. Essentially what he's saying. Um, well, you, you mentioned, like, you know, as far as the troubles of the, the pandemic, as far as sort of releasing, getting music out there, you released uh, your, your album, your next album there, White Doves and Warplanes, during the pandemic was was it a little upsetting to not really be able to you know do true live shows or anything like that for that album yeah i mean you know i definitely i had big plans you know i, I was I, I was signed with paradigm booking agency you know i just you know gotten with ada which is warner's label services and distribution and they they'd been the ones who broke macklemore like we had big plans pushing out play with fire to radio for the first time trying to turn that viralness into some radio love and yeah. really just pushing out a whole batch like 19 songs worth of you know many years worth of work and um you know, everybody was pushing their records back and this and that and the other. But I just kind of was like, man, like, I want to put out music. People need music. They're listening to it more than ever. And yeah, maybe yeah. I won't get to tour this or, or whatever I was planning to do. But I still have, I was built for this time. Like, I, I was built for being an artist yeah. online. And so when I released, I like, I had my little, my little crew of fans on the internet. And, you know, I had my, my crew of videographers and designers and all this stuff I was pulling together to try to make it 
as exciting as possible online. And then I teamed up with this company called Stable and they broadcasted um, a full band show um, like that was professionally mixed, sounded amazing, looked amazing um, that, uh, you know, that people could watch from their homes um, around when nice. I released the record. So it was, you know, we were trying new things and um, I, I'm really glad I released that record because it, it was really timely. I mean, everybody was like, everything from the the this second you know I, I mean i would say second multiple civil rights uh waves but this was one of many that that was kind of re-emerging and and then yeah. everything with covid and then all the politics it was just it was perfect timing for a lot of the things that i was talking about on that record really heavy you know um white doves and warplanes type things yeah for sure for sure now i mean it also i was thinking about i i guess it was pretty good that you couldn't go out on tour because your wife actually had your third baby like right yeah. before <laughs> the pandemic so i mean it's got to be pretty cool getting to be you know at home forced at home for the whole first year of his life i mean you know getting, yeah getting to see everything i guess that was that was a, a a bonus of it that was awesome i was preparing myself to be away from family and really kind of you know trying to like push through the the ache of being like oh i'm gonna miss some things you know but but i'm I, it was really cool yeah i got to be like i got to be at home and be with, like you know we uh, our third child was was a boy as our our first two were girls and there's just some cool little bond that me and the little dude have and um <laughs> i'm not i'm not sure i would have had that if i was touring like crazy and whatever else and you know how you know how it is it's like you know i feel like the yeah. first few years of kids lives are really important and uh so it was, it's just been cool to you know he's a year and a half now and so it's been cool to kind of be really heavily every day here around and yeah. uh you know yeah i mean that there is there's always some sort of blessing you know in crazy moments i mean the other thing too is like the biggest things in my career happened over COVID. So like I had a, so yeah. a feature on the Kygo record. I, I had a song that was um, featured in Rolling Stone. I had gotten covered by American Songwriter. All these things that I had never gotten ever, ever, ever before were emerging. And I was like, what is going on? You know, and <laughs> I, I, I felt it was a very like um, bittersweet thing where I was really excited about what was happening, but I was also so bummed that I couldn't be out <laughs> playing for people and pushing it even harder, you know? It's also got, it, it's sort of weird, like when you're having these great things, but there's also, like you said, all the civil strife and then you're like, I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm excited about these things. Dude, I'm feeling bad about what's going on right now, but like this is yeah. this is good for my career. Like, it's, man, everybody everybody deals with like intense like strife and crazy things in the world differently. My way was just to like put my head down and keep working because I just couldn't stop. If I stopped, I yeah. felt like I would be like curled in a ball in a corner somewhere, you know, like, oh, the yeah. world is ending. You know, I just couldn't do it. I yeah. couldn't do it. Def, def, I'm definitely the same way. way. Uh, well, side note, I'm sure you get this all the time, but your other two kids, your oldest daughter, seems like she got a whole lot of dad genes yes! because oh, yeah. she looks <laughs> yeah. so much like you. And yes. then your middle daughter looks so much like your wife like it looks like yeah. they just 
they they took sides like okay i'm gonna go with dad's <laughs> jeans and you're you're like it's crazy how much you guys look like the two daughters it's wild it's i was looking I at know. that recent picture and and then and then eli your son's just sort of like in the in the middle yeah, like he's, he's a, like he's okay middle. i took both <laughs> I took the middle road. It's um, crazy. Well, now, you've been re releasing a steady stream of singles for 2021. I haven't seen any live show announcements. Do you have some in plans? Yeah, you know, um, and I can I can kind of break some news here. So, oh, you know, I am... Um, there's a there's a lot of managers, a lot of different folks that I work with in the pop realm, and um, and I finally have been, you know, making the ask from some of those folks of like, hey, I've been writing with your bands on this, that, and the other. Like, this is what's happening with my artist thing. Like, can I open on some shows for your dudes? Like, like, get, yeah, th throw a dog a bone here, man. You know, and <laughs> and they've been and all my relationships in that have been super cool. So I think you know there will be like a string of shows with a couple different bands and one of which that I'm really excited about um, I think I'm going to be doing some shows with Bryce Fox and I'm not sure if you know his oh, stuff but he had dude. that song Horns and he's just man he's killing it and I feel like our music is really um, in tangent with each other and we've got a song that's going to be he coming out together too so I think that's going to that's going to for sure happen and I wish I could name some of the other things that are even more exciting too as well because they're um, you know a little bit more longer stretches I think me and Bryce will do a few little things here and there but there's another couple things that are in the works and I really, you know, I don't know what it was about COVID, but locking me up, but it's made me even more excited than ever to get out and start playing some shows. Very cool. Bryce is actually, I think he's supposed to be coming on the show in August, I think. So oh, awesome. Maybe, maybe we'll have some more details by yeah, then. Yeah, you'll have like I a full-on full tour announcement. Nice, nice. One last question before we let you go, Sam. This is an important one that yeah. I ask all of the artists. Now, obviously, you've been in Nashville for what? Uh, 18 years, something like that. Good yeah. long while. Yeah. So you're very familiar. If I come to Nashville and I say, Sam, I'm in Nashville. I've got one night. Where should I eat? Hmm. Where are you telling me that I need to eat in Nashville? Oh, Where's the place? Like the place. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like, <clears throat> what, where would you go? If, if, you know, if you had like, if before tour and you wanted to have sort of your best night restaurant to go out and eat where would you go to eat to say goodbye to nashville before tour i mean this sounds ridiculous but it's it's very on brand for me i i love pizza <laughs> like pizza is like yes it's yes. the tip top and there's something about Desano pizzeria um that nice. is uh downtown that i freak out about they like they take i i mean maybe it's i don't know if this is true or not but i heard that they have like stuff from Italy that they bring in like um and even like a specific type of water and then they they bake it in this oven in front of you and when it comes out it is just like the most delicious pizza I've ever had in my entire life and when you get like a, a Mexican coke with it and then they have these like um what do you call those ah there's like Italian desserts there that are just incredible that's like such a fat dad move for me, but I I would <laughs> I would probably do Desano's pizza because it's so freaking good. I I just googled it, and I'm gonna be honest, uh, it is it is mouthwateringly delicious in these pictures. I mean, oh, yeah. just all 
all the different you got the napoli pizza there you got the margarita pizza it's uh oh man that looks like some good some some good fire crusted uh edges there too oh yes. man that it's looks, a must that looks it's a uh, i i still i it never ceases to amaze me how many times how many uh, artist I've had on the show, and I've asked this question, and I get a new response every time. That's how many amazing because I haven't. I've gotten two boots pizza before from Nashville, uh, yeah. but I've never, I've never gotten Desanos. So it's another, it's another new one to add to the list. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, one thing, and I don't mean to end on this, but one thing I did hear that's very striking to me about your diet. You don't eat fruit. Hmm. You don't. <laughs> yeah. You don't. So you don't like fruit at all. That's a weird fact about me. You know, I, I, I will eat any vegetable. I'll eat, you know, pretty much anything other than fruit. There's something about the sweetness with the, the with the weird kind of like vegetable texture that I just can't get over. Like when you bite into a blueberry or is it blueberry? No, when you bite into a blackberry and it has all those little tiny seeds and every mm. one of the, I'm like, oh, gross. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. There's That's something about the texture just makes me want to spit it out. And I like my body just does it naturally. And I, I don't even have a choice. I just, I bite it and that I feel... The texture, I'm like, Pfft. it blows my mind because I could see that with vegetables. I could yeah. see it because there's no redeeming sweetness. No, there is. But apparently, you're the sweetness takes it over the top for you, and you're like, no, thank you. It's no, almost like it's, no it's like it's just like a little like um, I just I like it's uh bewildering when I bite into something that has texture but it's also sweet. You're like, ugh. And maybe it's because I like candy so. <laughs> It's because I like candy so much, you know, that when you bite into candy, it's just candy, you know. But when you bite into yeah, a, it's just it's a sugar. Fruit, yeah, yeah, it's just sugar, and it's kind of smooth, and you know. But you bite into like fruit, and it's just you're like, what is this? Crunch? Oh man, <laughs> Sam's Sam's fear factor would be all fruit oh, instead of pull instead <laughs> of pulling off spiders and things. They'd open Listen. the the the, and it'd just be it'd be bananas and oh no. If they had banana, if they if it was like a banana or a dead spider, and they said eat one of these, I I would have a hard time choosing. I'd have a hard time choosing. <laughs> oh, you definitely. That I think you stand alone on that one. You are a lone wolf in that category. I'm pretty sure. Oh man, Sam, we are up against a break, but I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's been fantastic. Listeners, you can check out all things Sam at his website, or you can follow him on social media at Sam Tenez. You can stream him on all the streaming services right now. Let's take a listen to the newest single, Changes, right here on the Doc G Show. This is everything that we dreamed of, everything we worked so hard for, a story nobody can make up, you and I know. You're beautiful in every season Quit giving me a thousand reasons why I'd be walking away You know I'm all yours Through the changes Never leaving you in the hard times Changes Keeping us steady in the fault lines Let's build a bridge just for the two of us I'll love you through more Changes the changes I'm always one more Fill the plate up But am I building castles between us I swear it on my life On Jesus I'll never let go 
It's hard to be here when I'm not, but it's just a footnote to forever. Yeah, I'm thinking of you wherever I go. All the blood, sweat, tears, years, struggling. You were there, no one else really cared how. Be right here, I want you the most through the changes. Never leaving you in the hard times. Changes. Keeping us steady in the fourth lines. Let's build a bridge just for the two of us. I'll love you through more changes. Through the changes. Yeah. Through the changes. Changes. Through the changes. All the blood, sweat. Years, years, struggling. You were there. No one else really cared. I'm happy right here. I want you the most through the changes. Never leaving you in the hard times. Changes. I'm keeping us steady on the fourth lines. Let's build a bridge just for the two of us. I'll love you. Here on the dock, a G, a show. You just heard Sam Taness, the newest single, Changes. Fantastic. Fantastic stuff. Sam being fantastic. Now, of course, we got to get to the important stuff first. Word. Me and Claude, of course, looked at the menu while we were waiting, uh, while we were listening to the awesome jams of Sam Taness. We had to look up his suggestion, DeSano's Pizza. So and I got to be honest. I wish I was in Nashville right now, because I I would be getting down on some of this. I would be getting down on some of this hard, Claude. Oh, Real yeah. hard. <laughs> now, uh, Claude, we decided, because we didn't want to go samesies, you decided to go uh, calzone, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go pizza. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so which calzone are you going with? All right, so I'm going to do the Vesuvio calzone. Nice. Uh, this nice. has um, everything from prosciutto to uh, mm. pepperoni, garlic, mm. scamorza, mm. mozzarella, mm. dip buffalo, mm. and um, uh, what is it? Pecorino, Romano, and oh and yeah, got it all. It's got that fresh basil to set it off. That yeah. fresh basil, it's 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 low key super important. That's a fact. Let me tell you, folks out there that don't know about some Italian soul food, mm-hmm. when you get a real fresh basil in there. Oh man, does it make the difference? It makes the difference. You gotta it doctor makes that it up. Cheese you know about that because you're the doc. That's true. I yes, amen. amen. I have nothing to add to that. That's correct. <laughs> nope. Now, uh, listeners, there are all kinds of different pizzas I could have gone with here. The Desano pizza looks amazing. I mean, it's got it's got the pecorino romano on there it's got the sausage it's got the pepperoni it's got the scamorza it's got basically everything that's on the calzone i'm big on that one i'm also big on the pepperoni margarita uh dopio pizza which looks amazing multiple types of pepperoni i'm also though i love some lasagna so true there's nothing better when you're looking for a soulful meal than a, a big deep dish of lasagna that's and right. if you put it on a pizza oh man get out of town 
Now, now it's even better. So I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a game time decision. When I get to DeSanos, we'll see what comes. I don't know. I'm going to get up to the, I'm going to get to the register and I'm going to make a game time decision right there. That's what's going to happen. But it'll be one of those three. I can tell you that much. We're going to look that, at one of those. That lasagna sounds so good. I know, right? Right? And then we get it grande style, 16 inch. 16 inch. And every, we'll just invite people that we don't even know. People that are in the restaurant. Go big or eat, go home. Eat some of this. Come on over here. <laughs> it's an Italian feast. It's the it's it's the Fiesta Italiana. All right. Yes. Yes. Uh, we're not in Milwaukee though. That's not happening. Nope. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then you said you're going cannoli for for dessert. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I like it. It's got uh, the uh, tray chocolate, mm. um, amaretto, and or amaretto and the uh, pistachio. That pistachio just I can tell that would just top it off. So I'm I'm all about that cannoli. I gotcha. I gotcha. I'm. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna turn. I'm not gonna throw a Nutella dessert pizza out of bed. That's not gonna happen. I mean, I'm gonna. <laughs> I, any one of those can come my way. But I, I'm gonna be honest. I'm probably gonna really, uh, you know, spoil dessert with eating too much uh, main course. So I probably won't even be able to eat dessert, to be honest. But you know, so true. You know, if it comes my way, yeah. I'll have to eat it. Anyways, that's the Sanos, guys. It looks good, but you know what? It's only good if you're listening to Sam Tanes. It's fantastic music. I want to thank Sam for coming on. Yes! As he's had some good years these last couple of years, man. Getting to hang with people like Head from Corn and and uh, Brandon Boyd from Incubus. That's pretty cool. That's right. That's pretty cool. You know. That is really really cool. I thought after we got off, you know, after we finished the uh, the interview, I felt like being like. Um, Hey, you want to ask them if they want to come on the Doc G show? Do you want to <laughs> hey, throw them our way? I'm just saying, you know. And he got to he got to record with Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20. That dude. Wow. Of, you know, Rob Thomas is another dude, just like Ringo Starr. Rob still looks like he's like 25. That's right. You see, you see pictures of him. That dude looks the exact <laughs> same as he did in 1996, and you're like, what? 25 years ago what's that dude doing he is definitely oh, on the, he's definitely on the jennifer aniston uh, uh lotion protocol i That's was what, just about to say another shout out to jennifer aniston cosmetics it is man it is but anyways thanks for sam for coming on the show hopefully he comes on real soon again hopefully he comes down to jacksonville so we can catch him on a on a live show i'd like to see that for sure um okay claude Last birthday suit. Now this one, you've got. Ooh, I this can't strike one, out. Don't worry, you won't. This one, <laughs> I know you've got because we're back in basketball. Sweet. So you got it. You did this on. You did this on purpose. I know what? you had a different one, and you but, didn't want me to go over three, and so you're giving me a gimme. I did. I did it on purpose to have it last. That's for sure. I wanted to have one. <laughs> you know, I wanted to have the lob at the end, so we knew we could finish on a high note, regardless. Um, well, I'll Chris Paul dunk it from half court. Let's go. Yeah. There we go. So born on July 7, 1978 in Long Beach, California. Our birthday suit wearer moved to Texas at a young age with his family in a very uh, remote area known as Iola. Hmm. He didn't start playing basketball until high school when the varsity coach convinced, uh, convinced him uh, to because he thought he could get a scholarship for college because of his height and his athleticism. 
He ended up uh, not getting good enough grades to get into college, but ended up going to junior college. He only played junior college basketball for one season. In that season, though, he led the nation in blocks. Hmm. He ended up getting an offer to play in the Chinese Basketball Association for the Jiangsu uh, Dragons in 2000. In 2001, he was picked number one by the Fayetteville Patriots for what was then known as the NBA Development League. It was only a month later when our birthday suit wearer became the first player ever called up from the Development League to the NBA by the Denver Nuggets. He played with the Denver Nuggets for three years and then signed with the New Orleans Hornets. He was in the dunk contest twice in 2004 and 5. In 2006, he was disqualified from the NBA for drug use. In 2008, he was reinstated, and he played four years with the Nuggets. Then he was acquired by the Miami Heat, where he won a championship. He was then traded to the Memphis Grizzlies. Then he played his last season in the NBA in the Cle- uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. In 2018, he won a Big Three championship with the Power Team hmm. in the Big Three. Mm-hmm. Name that birthday suit wearer. Uh, if I get this right, then I got to do... Uh the noise afterwards. Is yep. it uh, Chris Birdman Anderson? That's it. That is it. Ah, ah. Woo. <laughs> the, the shack, uh, the shack thing that you know. If you saw ah, the hawks, you know. Mm-hmm. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Birdman, Birdman. Birdman. That's him, man. I didn't. I could have given you the nickname, but I was like, I don't even need to give him the nickname. Nope. I don't even need to give him Birdman. He can get the. He can get the full name. He knows it. He oh knows yeah. It. Chris man, Anderson, some of my man. favorite teams were, uh, you know, the the Heatles, not in the beginning, but the Heatles at the end when they in thirteen fourteen when they got the all the vets on the squad and they had like Ray Allen and all mm-hmm. those guys, Shane mm-hmm. Battier, and then Chris Birdman Anderson. Wow, I got I got to say I liked him in his youth, man. I liked him when he was that super athletic Denver Nugget, you know. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, because by the last year in the Heat, uh, his his life had taken a toll. He was a lot less athletic. He still had the hustle. So true. But there was a lot less bounce in a step then. A lot. Yeah, you're right about that. Paul Man. George baptized him in one game. Yeah, it. Uh, there was a lot less bounce and a lot less blocks. But, I mean, he still gave it. You got to give it a... Chris Anderson laid it out on the floor. Birdman oh, was yeah. going to give 100%. you some hustle. He was gonna. He no was gonna go it. after it. Uh, turning the big. Let's see. What is it? Four three. Four three wow. for Chris. Yeah. Is he? I, this. I feel like this is something I should know. Is he playing in the big three again this year? Still. Or yeah. Did he, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. From what he's still. He's him. still on the roster of the power team. They seem to just be accumulating. I know longtime listeners of the show are like, "Hey, you haven't talked about the big three in forever." I know. I sort of fell off. I apologize. I'm sorry, guys. Um, but they seem to just be accumulate. Like every team just sort of is like they keep adding people to the roster, and it's just like I feel like they're gonna have like 45 person rosters soon. They're gonna be like, "Who wants to play?" I don't know. We'll bring one of these guys along. Let's uh, throw these. Yeah, guys I feel in like I feel crazy. like they've got a five or six person max, and and I don't know how they work, but they it seems like they always have you know, a captain or two or three co-captains yeah. or something. And, yeah. and then 
Um, some of the players mix around, and then the draft that they do is only, I believe, uh, two rounds of 10 players apiece. Only 20 players out of a pool of like 50 or 60 get drafted. Yeah, yeah, they're accumulating though on each team. Uh, Birdman is not a, uh, he's not a captain though, nope. but he was on the winning team. So yes! he is, I mean, I don't know how many of those folks are out there, but he is a person that can say championship, NBA championship, big three championship, both. There you go. So congratulations to him, and and definitely a, a big happy birthday. For sure, for sure. If you can find a uh, spot uh, to celebrate your forty third with another tattoo, do it, Birdman. See if you can find one. I don't think you have any more spots, but if you can, put a put a four three on there. Why not? Uh, Claude, we have a fantastic show coming up next week. I can't wait. We've got the band Sure Sure on the show. Sure Sure has been rocking the tunes for years out of California. These guys know how to do it. They are just uh, they're they're dominating. They're doing it. They're they're doing the thing. They just came out with some new music uh, over sort of the pandemic, some new singles, uh, Funky Galileo, Warm Animal, some other jams that came out. Uh, I've got What It's Like, which is their most recent album on the, the wall here in the studio. Can't wait to talk to the guys. We're going to do that next week. But uh, we got to wrap it up for now. Uh, so I have been your host, Doc G, with me once again, second week in a row, none other then fly till I die, Mr. Claude Lathan. Hey, I appreciate it. I'm just trying to fly like Chris Bird, Man Anderson, and uh, I'll be back on the show uh, mm. flying in sometime soon. Hopefully. Hopefully soon. We can all cross our fingers. Listeners, cross your fingers, or, or Claude won't come back. <laughs> it's got to happen, all right? And come back, it's talk some. Talk, we'll talk some, uh, hopefully talk a little less uh in a little bit more basketball who knows we'll see we'll see <laughs> anyways guys until next week zip it up and zip it out